Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss the exciting science behind HRV and how you can apply it to your own health and the work that you do. Just a note, this podcast does not replace medical advice, and if you're going to apply this to your own life or others, please consult with a medical provider. Thank you and enjoy the show. Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. You've got Matt and Jeff here back on a Monday morning, Matt. Hey, Jeff. How was your weekend? <laughs> um, watched a lot of news this weekend, Jeff. There's uh, a lot going on in the world, Matt. Yes, sure. and uh, my HRV stayed fairly steady, which That's I good. am fairly proud of. I hate you. Oh, you, uh, we, we all kind of uh, migrated over to an optimal HRV. New, we got a new organization where we're, we're holding each other accountable internally in a different way. So I, I uh, had some new additions to the team. So yeah, I started out. Uh, so yeah, now that we got this team together, which we're really excited about, uh, uh, we're, we kind of started back over with our readings and, uh, yeah, I'm doing okay. Uh, better than, you know, I, I think my, it says my mental health is probably better than I would have guessed, but uh, a couple of good nights sleep and uh, yeah, I, I'm maintaining. Let's put it that way. Uh, yeah. how, how about Which you? Which is all you can ask for considering yeah. all going on in the world politically. But <laughs> I don't know. I, I've, I've not noticed as direct a correlation between my score and the, the, the political latest and greatest as maybe you have. I don't know if that's good for me or bad for me. Maybe I'm a little- Well, it probably means that you have children, so you can't sit and watch <laughs> else. This is CNN true. like 24 seven, like the non-breeders can. Um, plus we can't do anything because of COVID. So this yeah, it's kind of like a, a, a double hit there. But uh, yeah, good news is still kind of staying in the green for the most part. So I, I want to take that as, uh, a fairly good, sometimes I will, we'll talk about this maybe a little bit more next week, but uh, sometimes you build up, I like to think about it as credit, so to speak, in the heart rate variability is had a pretty good week, you got some workouts in last week, ate healthy last week, uh, didn't drink too much last week, and I think it helped me... Uh, get through uh, a pretty crazy uh, end and uh, weekend uh, and uh, still have some mental capacity, hopefully, to provide our listeners a good podcast today. And uh, I think a good reminder to uh, take care of yourselves, our, our friends. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about we're in the midst of a lot of trauma. And uh, yeah, uh, this is going to test all of our resiliency and mental health. And so uh, please stay healthy. And if you're listening to this somewhere in 2025, hey, that means the world still exists. And we're recording this in January 2021. So, so just for some perspective, in case you're catching us years later, um, uh, you, you know what we're talking about with a little bit more detail. <laughs> That's right. So, so let's jump in, Matt. Last week, we I thought I had a very interesting um, topic in the job demand um, resources model. Um, we did kind of a, an intro to it and got into some, some level of detail. Uh, but I think, you know, tonight, you know, today, well, let's, let's continue the discussion. I think there's still a lot more to uncover here. Um, you know, maybe get into the weeds a little bit more for those awesome. who are uh, excited about it. I know you will be, and I will be as well. 
So, um, you know, I guess I'll kind of turn it over to you. What, 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 um, you know, where do we continue the discussion and make it, uh, you know, continue to make it interesting and valuable for folks? Absolutely. So just to review, and if you're on YouTube with us, again, we'll put this as the uh, picture for this podcast as well. Uh, trauma-informed lens dot, or excuse me, trauma. I'm, 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 I'm combining my two podcasts here. Yeah, too many podcasts, man. Uh, I'm doing You can go to the website page, get the show notes. So, so for those that are watching um, or have a chance to get it, I've got the model um, up here again uh, on the screen for us to, to look at. And so, so really what I introduced the model uh, on, the, on the last show. So obviously if you're just picking us up right here, please go back and listen to the last episode. It'll give you the context you need to move forward with us. But let's, let's just kind of hit the big pieces again here. And I really want to focus on, I want to save self-care a little bit. I think we got another episode in this one to talk about a little bit. So, so the equations and what I love about this model, Jeff, is that it gives us really simple ways, whether we're a uh, sort of just an employee or staff member within a system or whether we're a management supervisor, leader, executive within the system, it gives us a really concrete way to look at how our system, our jobs are set up to either uh, lead us into burnout or to hopefully uh, support staff in a way that instead of burnout, we hit engagement motivation with, again, the, the ultimate goal to get the best outcomes uh, we possibly can. So a couple of the equations we talked about last time, and for me, this is the real key one, is that job demand speaks to the stress in, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> ah, something in my throat there. I ate a bunch of wasabi peas before the podcast. Probably not a good <laughs> idea. So uh, job demands are really the stress. And when we think about the helping and healing professions, which we know a lot of folks uh, uh, using our app are, are in healthcare, education, social services. Uh, I just also mentioned some I call empathetic intensity or the emotional kind of strain or, you know, knowing that emotions are contagious, that can also uh, lead to burnout as well. So we have with just uh, job demands is the stress, both good stress, use stress, and bad stress, which we often label uh, strain, uh, impacting us. Now, the, the real equation that, that I, since I really dove into this model, I it just dominate my thinking is, the other piece of this, job demands and resources, are the resources that the organization, the leadership, provide to really help folks uh, manage the stress inherent to the demands of the work. So if the demands of the job, and this again can be the emotional demands, uh, the psychological demands, the cognitive demands, all these things that might cause different types of stress for us, but if the demands are greater then the resources, what a lot of really great research done on this model shows us is that's when someone's at very high risk for burnout. Now, you see in this model, because Matt can't look at anything without making it quote unquote trauma informed and using all my uh, research and expertise on stress and trauma, I'm also going to put self-care in this equation as well. We talked about that in the last episode a little bit too. But that, especially for the leaders, managers, supervisors listening to this is, are your supportive parts or your job resources 
enough to offset the stress inherent to the work. So again, we know a lot of people listen in healthcare. We know physicians, nurses, number one and two for burnout, people doing social work, social services, number three, educators, principals, lawyers, cops, that's the top seven. Again, speaks to some of the emotional, how that emotional part of the work really can lead to burnout as well. So our challenge is how do we support our staff one, in a way that uh, really allows folks to do the work without going to burnout. So job demands are greater than the job, or excuse me, job resources are greater than the job demands. The other thing though with the job resources is that we can apply different approaches to also lead folks to engagement. And, and my sort of, my, my way of looking at engagement, positive, fulfilling work-related state of mind that is characterized by high levels of vigor, which I like to think is energy and resiliency, dedication, and really being dedicated to getting the best outcomes possible. So I wanna look in this episode, Jeff, about these job resources, what are some of these things? And the really fun thing for me with this model is, you know, I've, I've been really diving deep into research, uh, you know, went through a master's of business administration back in about 2000 to 2002, uh, had a dual master's degree, both in counseling psychology, but also executive leadership. So I've been like obsessed with leadership now, and I hate to say this out loud, for about 22 years, uh, you know, whew, get, get not as young as we used to be, my friend. We sure uh, are, my friend. So, so what are, when we look at these job resources, what are some things we could do? So I just kind of want to bring some of the best practices that I see. The first thing is how do we organize our work? So, so a few things that, that I really think about it. And, and again, all this comes out of research. So this isn't Matt's just because he's old now, he just makes assumptions <laughs> about what works for him. The, these are all best practices according to the research, not just what works for Matt. But one trying to really organize your work. We, we know how we work is really burning us out. Um, the multitasking we do uh, lowers uh, our, our productivity 80 to 90%. Uh, think about that for a second. If you're only getting 10% done because you're always jumping to every new email that pops up, every text message you get, um, every Facebook post that, that hits. I, I just got a, a new phone uh, because mine just decided to stop working one day. And I didn't realize I, what it's like to have a phone with all the notifications on. Um, and it's like, <laughs> it's, it's just like, there was not like more than five minutes without my phone beeping. And I was just like, and I did every new app I installed, it wanted to notify me every five minutes of something going on. And eventually I turned all those off uh, so I could actually get some work done. But, you know, multitasking is a joke. It's not only does going back and forth from email to a report you might be working on to something else, um, just that workflow is terrible. It also really drains the brain because every time we switch a task, we switch the part of the brain that we're engaged in and that is exhausting to the brain. So productivity and quality drop. Also, we know the brain can only work about 90 to 120 minutes without needing a break. Um, and I, I think in our modern, you know, and I even see this with folks on Zoom, like we still don't take a break. We, we will work and we're multitasking. So we're being distracted all over the place, which again, is horrible for productivity and quality. 
but taking time off. And that doesn't mean, you know, uh, getting on Facebook, getting on Twitter, you know, that means maybe going outside and getting some sunshine, uh, taking for a, a quick walk, uh, maybe getting a little bit of a workout and doing some yoga stretches, uh, practicing some mindfulness and really working the flow of maybe working a couple hours, taking a 10, 15 minute break, working a couple hours, taking a, a meal break and then repeating that in the afternoon. Uh, great research shows over and over again. You take two people, let's say they're checked into work for nine hours with an hour for lunch. Uh, the person that takes a break in the morning, 15 minute break in the morning, 15 minute break in the afternoon, and one person doesn't. So they're at work the same amount of time. One person takes a half hour of break. So technically they're working seven and a half hours versus the person that works eight hours. Uh, the person who works seven and a half hours gets more done over and over again and their quality is better, even though they're working a half hour less. So don't think because you work more, you're getting more done. And if you throw multitasking in there, then the person that's multitasking, not taking any breaks, is pretty much a productivity disaster. And that's <laughs> a lot of us because you're, yeah. you can set your email to pop up every time you got a new email. It's a killer. Um, Slack messages, absolutely. Yeah, now you got me on Slack and Google's chat. Like, you know, work with Jeff. He signs you up for like six more email things. So like, I, I was like, <laughs> dude, do I have, like, are these text messages? Are these, like, because I mean, all those pop up and, you know, you, you include emails in those pop-ups and they're coming in like one every few minutes. And then, you know, what, what we see is, you know, you send me something, I send you something back, you send me something, then our buddy Ben sends us something and then we send him something and, you know, what we see is that when we get distracted like that, it often takes us about 26 minutes to get back to the task. And so part of the resources, whether you're the one doing the work or whether you're supervising folks, let's think about how we do this. I, I now check email. Here, here's my email flow. I check it in the morning. I check it before my morning break, after my morning break, before lunch break, after lunch break. And then at the break in the afternoon at the end. So, so probably about five to six times during the day. I have yet to ever have somebody say, Matt, you're non-responsive. In fact, I get the exact opposite because guess how many unread emails I had before this call? I had one. Oh, I had two, actually. One came through. I've got a friend over on the Western Slope who loves semi-political uh, pages full of emails. So, so I'm holding off on hers till I can really sit back and enjoy it. And then I have one that's asking me to read a book and have a guest on my podcast. Just need to have a fresh mind to think about that. I got two unread emails when we started this, this podcast. So, so, I mean, I see, and Jeff, we're on a lot of these Zoom calls. You see some people have like 450, 600 unread emails in their inbox I don't know how they sleep at night. So, so again, <laughs> I'm on top of my emails. I have every, any feedback I get on my responsiveness is that I am one of the more responsive people that people work with because I don't have to get through 150 emails before I get to yours. And, and so it's just a good way to work. I haven't always been this good at this either. So don't think I was born this way. I had to really train myself. And, and I found out, hey, if I don't answer emails within five minutes, the world doesn't end. A few other things when we think about job resources, and I want to talk about a little human resource stuff here. One, and I, you know, when I talk about trauma informed, so we know that folks working with individuals experiencing trauma are at even greater risk for burnout. 
but in, here it's sitting here, January 2021. I, I just think this is a best practice for any organization, making sure folks have access to cheap, if not free therapy. Um, as an HR policy, you know, it's got to be that way if you're going to be in the helping and healing professions. Uh, again, we dominate the top categories for burnout. We are mentally ill because of the work we do, because we haven't done a good job of maintaining our health. But, you know, you just look, Jeff, and I know you see this information as well. General population is not healthy right now. That means our workforces are not mentally healthy. And if we're not mentally healthy, we're less in that prefrontal cortex, more in our amygdala, whether that manifests as anxiety or depression. Um, there's very few people, I think, at least in our country right now, and I'm sure it's around the world as well, who couldn't benefit from some therapy. And I, I'm not saying you need to go engage in six years of therapy. Uh, most of employee assistance programs offer like six free sessions a year. Whew, who couldn't benefit from six free therapy sessions right now. So, so that's one of the things I really encourage people to do, uh, pay time off and really uh, supporting folks when you take time off, to take time off. Um, you know, we, we talk about how, you know, to disengage from work is, is so critical. Um, you know, uh, we mentioned that some of these last time, paying people a livable wage. And then the other thing is professional development. I, I really see professional development as a key piece of our self-care because if we're always focusing on being better than we are today, a hard day becomes part of that larger journey. We're more likely to learn the lessons of a difficult day to take those to reach a greater uh, personal vision that we have for ourselves. If all I'm focused on is surviving today, a bad day can really become all-encompassing. So some HR policies, again, therapy, making sure pay time off and not expecting people as much as possible to be checking emails so that they can really have that time off. Uh, again, livable wage is sort of a no-brainer and that professional development piece here. Now, another thing, I want to kind of save the relational piece. So I want to save uh, organizational culture uh, for our next episode, because as you can imagine, I got some things to say about that. But I, so I want to I want to hold off on that. But I also want to like spend the rest of our time on this one talking about, OK, what are some things that the research shows us really promote engagement? So, again, one of the key, and I love to give this to folks, is job resources greater than job demands, you've got the capacity for engagement. If job demands, again, the stress, the strain, the demands of the work over, override or are greater than job resources, there's a high vulnerability for burnout. But one of the things that I really encourage people is just because you have healthy staff, that's just like the first half of the journey. Now, that can be the most difficult part of the journey, especially in 2021. And I'm very upfront. I've got this leadership training with some great educators in LA County coming up on Wednesday. I'm telling them, hey, you've got to survive. Like, you know, don't necessarily worry about being the best school in the country right now. Um, how are you going to survive till spring break? You know, how are you going to get your staff so they come back next school year mentally healthy? I mean, these are the challenges because we got to be realistic about this. But there's also some things really that promote engagement. And again, as I, as I go through these, Jeff, I'd love to see, you know, from the business world, kind of your experience of some of this 
as well, because I don't think we've done, well, I can say, I think we talk a good talk in the nonprofit arena. I don't know if we always walk the good walk in the nonprofit arena. Um, and so the, the first one here is just, and this kind of sounds a, a little therapish here because I borrow the term from it, but it's, it's called positive regard. In other words, we come to work each day in a fairly good mindset uh, to, to give our best work. And really what we know, our emotions are contagious. So this is really my challenge to a lot of leaders and managers is how do you create a positive mindset within your team, uh, sort of within your organizational culture? And the best tool that I have to give folks, and again, th this is research. And there's a few things in the, the uh, leadership research that I've done over the years that really stand out. And one of them is the research on recognition. Basically, we know high recognition cultures are high performing cultures. So when we say recognition, what are we talking about? It's, it's uh, peers and leadership, basically with the mindset of, hey, when somebody does great work, we're gonna recognize them for that. Now, I always like to say formalize this in some ways. Um, have a structure where staff can formally recognize folks because just saying, hey, you did a great job on that, that's one thing, but if somebody takes even like makes a certificate online and takes three minutes to do something. Um, and they get a little certificate through email. This is why I'm great. I always like to say if staff are recognizing each other, copy the leader on it so they can reinforce that. But what we know is when we're recognized, we release the hormone us uh, dopamine. Um, it's the feel good hormone. And so with recognition, what we see is that the, this dopamine rich cultures lead to incredible high performance. Um, one of my favorite studies is they've done this in a couple different arenas, but they took two groups of equal talent and skills. And the differentiation between these two is they, the level of recognition or negative feedback these groups got. And over substantial studies over time, what they found is people thrive when they get uh, 5.6 pieces of positive feedback for every negative one. Um, now this has to be legit feedback, but, but you know, so, so there's, I like to round up because why not? So you can, you can remember a six to one ratio. The groups that perform the worst get only one piece of positive feedback for every three negatives. So you can, can kind of think about this spectrum and then anything over six doesn't seem to really have much of a impact whatsoever. So you can really think about the higher the recognition culture, the, the better the performing that, that folks will do. So, so the other piece of this, and then, then I wanna hear any thinking that you have and how you see this in your world is to kind of with this positive mindset with recognition, also the concept coming out of Carol Dweck's work on the growth mindset. And Carol Dweck has done an amazing job. Uh, I, I always say any parent should read her book, Mindsets. It, it's just a classic uh, with this. And what she really found is that people thrive and we're just kind of building scaffolding this around the recognition positive mindset thing when they see themselves as a result of the effort that they put into something. So um, my mom, because I was a, I was a mess as a, a adolescent, uh, I grew a, uh, six inches between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. So Jeff, if you can imagine, I went into my sophomore year of high school 
I was uh, six six and one hundred and thirty pounds. Um, <laughs> That's amazing. A human can be alive at six six one thirty. Yeah, and if you whatever you got in your head right now, like throw some acne on top of it, and my <laughs> knees were not working either. Uh, so, so I had very little self esteem. So my mom would say things like, "Hey, you're really good at science. You're really good at math." And then my mom didn't know Carol Dweck's work at that point. It wasn't out. So I love you, mom. I don't blame her for this. I blame her not for reapplying sunscreen when I was younger. But you know, I'm giving her a pass on this one. Um, but what she, what, what my mom was doing was uh, what helped promote a fixed mindset. And this is kind of the inverse. This is that, hey, you're either born really good at something or born poor and deficient at something. So here's what happens is, oh, mom tells you and lies to you enough to tell you you're good at science. What happens when you get a D on the science test? Now all of a sudden, oh, I'm not good at this. So what Kildwick found, whether she was, she's done this with professional athletes up to like preschoolers and found this to be true all the way around, that if we see ourselves, and this goes along with the professional development thing from a personal level, as, as, a, as a, a result of the effort that we put into something. So what my mom should have said was, hey, you worked really hard on that science test to get that A, how are you going to replicate that on your upcoming math test and if you reward my effort and this is where it goes with recognition that increases motivation and confidence to apply that to other situations so we know groups that have a positive mindset are more productive perform better we are as human beings really designed to be in positive relationships and positive situations and positive mindsets so that's a prefrontal cortex gets us right there regulates our amygdala, we're ready to go relationally, cognitively, emotionally, ready to give our best to work. Recognition really reinforces where everybody's looking for the good that gets done. Now, accountability is still a part of this. So don't hear me that I'm just all uh, roses and fluff here. Um, you know, we've got, a, and, and I'm not going to get into shared values here because that's a whole nother podcast, but when we <laughs> deviate from things that lead us to our vision or from our values, we need to hold each other accountable to that. So, so accountability is a big part of this. However, what we see is the real rocket fuel for excellence is positive mindset. Really, we operationalize that with the structure around recognition but our recognition is not to say, man, Jeff, you are just an amazing human being. You're just such a great guy. You're so good looking. You get employee of the month today, right? <laughs> you know, what I'd say is, hey, Jeff, I, I know you're busting your butt to get our company up. I just appreciate the effort that you put in. You bring an expertise that, that I don't think I'll ever have. And I know we're where we're at today because of all the hard work and dedication you have put into this. Very different sort of feedback. So, so again, we want that positive mindset for leaders, but also for staff, operationalize that with a minimal structure, but have a structure for recognition where we're keeping track of this, but always recognize the effort, um, not the individual. So I want to step back and shut up for a second, Jeff. Um, I just wonder, uh, two questions for you. One, does anybody offer anybody therapy in the business world? Uh, two, I, I've kind of gone off on a rant about recognition, growth mindset, uh, and I'd love to hear how, how you've seen that, uh, if at all, in, in the business arena that, that you've been in most of your career. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I know. I mean, this is great stuff. And, and this is stuff that, you know, you, you know about, but you have to continue to bring to the forefront of your mind. You yeah. To, you know, it's, it's, it's like anything. It's, it's always a practice. You're never, never perfect at this stuff, you know, and, and often you can sort of fall back on your, your habits of, of he's good at this. So you go do that. You're good at yeah. this. You go do that. Um, but to, to answer your questions, be more direct. Um, yes. To question number one. Right. So, you know, you look at, um, you look at the large corporations out there right now, you know, kind of corporate America and, and sort of the, the way HR has evolved. It seems like a lot of this is being brought into, um, you know, their, their employee sort of benefits portal or whatever, where you can go in and, and I, I just downloaded an app the other day that, that is, you know, meditation and that kind of stuff is yeah. offered for free as, as, as part of uh, many corporate, you know, employment yeah. structures, whatever you want to put it, right? You, for the folks who work for big companies, you know, you have these HR portals and you go yes. and you do all kinds of things and they offer all kinds of services. And, and many of them do have discounted um, therapy, online therapy, tele, you know, health therapy. Yeah. You can, you, can um, you know, use your health savings account or those kinds of things, flexible spending account for therapy sessions. So it's becoming more and more a real thing. And this, I would say, is probably all in the last two to three years. So is it available? Yes, absolutely. Is it, it becomes hard at scale, right? I mean, you know, you have these HR departments that are sort of marketing their own services and telling you all the things that they're doing for you. But from an organizational standpoint, it really doesn't infiltrate the day-to-day to the level it could if the individual managers were jumping on board with this. And the individual managers saying, hey, let me tell you about these employee benefits we have. I would recommend you take a, a, an hour on a Friday and, and you go do this. Yeah. And you have my permission as your you know, frontline manager to, to not do your job in the middle of the work week for an hour because I think it's gonna be really beneficial for you. Yeah. That kind of stuff I've not, I've not seen much of. It's, is it available? Yes, but employee goes to look for it and finds it, yes. Um, is it part of the culture? I think there's very few organizations where they've actually adopted that as part of you know, daily discussions between employee and, and their manager or their team. Yeah, um, and, and like, yeah. if I can give some managers a little bit of advice, whether, whether you're, and, and this is for everybody because I don't, helping organizations historically have maybe, these have been offered really since I've been in the field. However, they're so underutilized. So it, even though it. we've had I them, you, that's it. yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're any better at utilization. So what I really encourage managers are a few things. One, if you supervise staff, you better know how to access that therapy. You better be able to say, hey, I utilize this and this is the process that you can expect going forward. In other words, you are the role model for self-care and wellness. And right now, if you couldn't use at least two therapy sessions, uh, please reach out to us and we'll have you on a guest on a show. Because I think with everything <laughs> going on in the world, uh, we're all carrying around way too much stress right now. HRV also gives you another really good way to quantify that. If you see people's HRV crashing over uh, you know, a week period of time is when I'd start to, if their seven day average is dramatically falling below their 30-day average, it's time to have that conversation because really for managers, what I really think, you're not their therapist. I am a trained therapist, 
But if I'm your manager, I'm not your therapist. And I'm very, very clear about that. Um, most people don't expect me to be that. Uh, but also it's pretty easy to talk to me. So you can all start to disclose a lot of stuff. That's why I put headphones on when I go to Costco. So I don't have to do therapy in the aisles. Um, <laughs> Airplanes. And it, yeah, air, oh, yeah. I'm the most antisocial dude on an airplane. Trust me, I do not want to do therapy with the person in the middle seat. Uh, you know, how to get in C class to begin with is really what I want to know because I fly Southwest so much. Didn't you check in on time? But that, uh, that digresses. But here's the real business benefit to this. So there's going to be things that happen to a significant portion of your staff where stuff in their personal life is going to impact their potential to be their best at work. That, that is just being a human being. When you help identify or somebody tells you, I'm struggling because X, Y, and Z is going on in my personal life. Now, if it's just a sick kid and it's not a major illness and they're not sleeping for a week, okay, that's going to be a short-term thing. Probably don't need therapy for that. However, if this is something, a trauma in their personal life, what, what, and I'm going to talk very coldly about this because the goal of this whole model is to get business outcomes. We know trauma is going to impact their HRV, which is going to impact their cognitive, psychological, social uh, ability, which most jobs, you need those. Um, so connecting them with outside therapeutic resources is good for business. Now, it's also good for the individual. We can hold both of those things at the same time. The other piece is, is business is the stress of the job demands impacting you personally. So, you know, when we talk about burnout, burnout doesn't stop when you leave work at, the, you know, at four or five o'clock or whenever your shift. Only, it goes yeah. home with you. So, so if you're a relationship, if you're, because things I hear in self-care training, I'm not the spouse or partner I should be. I'm not the parent I want to be. Um, I'm sick all the time because of this. Right. It's like right. drink more than you normally would. At, you know, to get your reasons. butt into therapy, right? So, so both of those are a really good indicator. And you need to be, and this is, I think, the challenge for, it sounds like both the nonprofit folks I work with, but also in the business world is let's destigmatize this. It's like you're doing Absolutely. this to help us get to good outcomes, to be a successful business or provide better services to your patients. So, so yeah, that, that is just kind of how I look at that is let's just use this as a tool um, that we don't need to stigmatize this anymore. So, so, so follow-up question, Jeff, about the, the recognition. Uh, how, how do you see yeah. that? Uh, All over the board. Uh, well, and, and to, to you know, sort of last last point on the last one, you know, that was that was the large organizations. When you yeah. talked about the, you know, all the startups and the, you know, sub hundred yes. person companies I've ever worked for, the answer is no. Yeah. Not not offered, not stigmatized. You know, if you were to say, I mean, everybody's much more of a family in those type of organizations. Yeah. And so if you said, hey, I, you know, if you need to take a couple hours on a Friday, everybody said, go do it. Yeah. You know, everybody's in full support, um, but there's no no benefits. There's no, you know, that, that's not part of, of your, of your employment package, so to speak. So it's kind of like we talked about in the last episode, you know, you got that teamwork going um, from a motivation standpoint, people allow it and, and people are, you know, it's maybe a little more talked about in terms of needing time off and needing to get yeah. away, but it's not, not offered as necessarily a resource. So, but, but to your, to your next question, um, totally dependent upon the manager. And I think that's probably consistent no matter what world you're in. I mean, some organizations claim to be, but then 
it doesn't happen. So, you know, it was just all HR speak again. Um, you know, some of the smaller companies I've been with, you, I've had great people that I've worked for that make a, a real point of recognizing people very often for the accomplishment, less about the work to your point. Um, I don't know that people really sort of understand that there's a difference there. I certainly didn't before, you know, you turning me on to some things. Um, so it's, it's, it's all kind of individual specific, how good of a leader are you working with and for? Yeah. And so, you know, can you as an organization, not only foster it as a value, but then give your management team the training and enablement they need to be able to actually execute it. So even if it's not something that comes naturally for them, um, it's something that they're still cultivating within the organization. And so yeah. I've found it very infrequent, to be quite honest. It's more, we've got a goal, we hit it, good job, everybody, what's our next goal? And typically yeah. I've been in you know the sales organizations, so it's our goal is our quota. Here's the yeah. number and, and revenue that we have to hit. We hit it. This guy or this lady or you know this person, these are the three deals that got us there. Thank you guys. Good job. Let's learn why we won the deal so we can all get better. And then let's go do it again times two in the next quarter. That's yeah. That's yeah. how it works. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's really so is that, is that is that recognition? I don't know, you know, not yeah. not, not exactly, not in the way you're not, not from a growth mindset standpoint. Yeah, and that's the real challenge. And, you know, if you look at the numbers uh, around recognition, they're, they're really um, amazing. Like, like, it's one of those things I have to go back to the source material every once in a while before I train on it and just make sure the numbers, I copied the numbers down right. Because really what we're looking for, really, you know, no matter what, we always want to get better outcomes. So, so recognition, even though I love telling people they did a good job because I love it when, if, especially as a supervisor, hey, if my folks are kicking butt, I'm kicking butt, right? So, so I mean, it's just fun. And occasionally I have to give negative feedback. I'm, I'm, I don't know anybody that would rather give negative feedback over positive feedback. So, you know, part of that's just enjoyable, but, but you really can start to look at some of this stuff as, and again, we, we use HRV to help measure this, is a competitive advantage uh, with the business world, right? High recognition cultures, again, if we hit the 5.6 to 1 positive to negative feedback ratio, we're going to outperform those who have not structuralized recognition and really focused on it. So, so while, yeah, I, I love it when my supervisor recognizes me, um, you know, I also love to perform at our best, whether you care about competition or whether you're working, you know, more, more in the nonprofit arena where competition might be something we don't talk about. But again, it's going to allow folks to bring their, their best to work each and every day. A couple more things I, I want to throw into to the mix here. Um, but again, things that promote engagement and really build motivation. Um, you know, and, and from a structural point of view, and I want to save some a few things for, for the next podcast as well, including I mentioned values and vision. So I'll, I'll keep those when we talk about the relational piece of that. But the other one that, that I paid a lot of attention in the resources is uh, democracy and collaborative decision making. Um, so, so really, and, and the word empowered gets thrown around a lot to, to the point where it's almost very, you know, almost so watered down, I, I hardly use it anymore. But, but what we know is that if you want to engage people, if you want people to care about their work, 
give them as much choice and power over that work as possible. And again, while I'm not a good big guy, I'm creating a whole bunch of bureaucracy, a little bit of paperwork around some of this stuff. And I never say if it's over a page, you got to rethink it. So I want it to be a 10 at most 15 minutes sort of paperwork activity. But giving folks closest to the problems, the ability to identify problems and be a part of the solution-making process. Um, so what we see is when folks feel, you know, again, it's, it's a word that gets watered down, but really empowered, that they have a sense of power and control over their work environment, that their opinion matters uh, to uh, their, their organization, their supervisor, and that they're brought into the decision-making process the level of engagement drops, uh, uh, increases dramatically. And so just as sort of a concrete tool there, one, research after research studies say, hey, if you a user, we're, we want to get our sales numbers up. If you don't ask your salespeople about how they can improve your numbers, you're not going to get as good an answer to that question. The other side of this from the leadership perspective is, hey, if I don't ask Jeff and my sales team about how to improve sales, um, but I come up with my own solution, nobody's going to be bought in to implementing my solution, right? So, so what we see is those organizations that have collaborative decision-making processes. And I always like to say, hey, I want you to come to me with problems, but I also want you to spend at least a few minutes with some preliminary solutions. Uh, because if you're just looking for problems, I'm sort of going against that positive mindset that I tried to convince everybody was so important just a second ago. So, so really giving people uh, the ability to identify problems and also to bring that to attention. And again, a lot of great business research showing up um, about how that really helps promote better outcomes. Uh, it promotes engagement uh, for sure. And if you say, hey, I trust you around being part of this decision-making process, that's really going to set us up for the next episode when we talk about, okay, let's focus on the leader manager for a second, but also what are characteristics of the relationships that create what we call organizational cultures as well. And there's a lot of great research on things uh, that, that benefit that too. So I kind of want to use that as our last point here and, and really take the next episode to say, how research really comes in here. So again, to summarize before I throw it back to you, Jeff, because I'd love to get any other thoughts you have, we're using these job resources twofold. One, to manage the stress inherent to the work. Two, to promote engagement. Now, something like democracy and collaborative decision-making, it does a little bit of both. Um, if you have some power to address the things that are stressing you and burning you out about your work, Obviously, you're going to increase job resources and hopefully balance out the job demands, but also giving someone that opportunity um, is going to build engagement, which we know also through the research around this model leads to positive outcomes as well. So we're trying to manage, again, I love the model because it's very simple. Again, how are we doing managing the inherent demands or stress from the job to hopefully keep someone out of burnout? And then how do we enact strategies to promote engagement as well? Yeah, thanks, Matt. And, you know, from my perspective, um, you know, just as we close out, the thing that, that I like about this so much is it, it takes so many innate concepts that just make very individual sense. 
you know, and, and sort of operationalizes that to a larger organizational setting. Yeah. So, you know, you think about it, I don't like people telling me what to do for no reason, you know, it, yeah. nobody likes just saying somebody comes and saying, hey, go do this. Right, no, but if you t- if we agree there's a problem and we talk about a solution and we both agree that's the way to go about doing it, I may end up doing exactly what they would have just told me to do anyway, but because we talked about it a little bit, um, I'm happy to do it as opposed to being like, hey, just yeah. don't tell me what to do, right? And so you think about your, your interpersonal relationships at home or with your kids. Right. I think this is very interesting yes. with as a parent yeah. with children. Um, there's so many ways to apply this to how you handle that. Um, I, I just think it's great. You know, again, you, you sort of take these very um, individual, um, you know, micro level in, engagements you have with your family, your friends, your coworkers, whatever, and you sort of, you know, build this model, operationalize it, make it macro and, and start yeah. to apply it across a large group. And, you know, you're going to see some pretty impactful results. And so, um, you know, uh, thanks for bringing it to my attention. I'm sure a lot of the folks uh, that are watching agree. And and obviously, I think we're going to do one more session, one more podcast um, on this because, you know, it warrants the time and it warrants the discussion. And, uh, you know, the the backbone of all of this is um, really important to everybody. Yeah. Absolutely. And just to just to reinforce too, you know, the the two competing things here. And again, this is a this is a hardcore business model. So so for my like social service friends, it maybe seemed like boy, boy business Matt really showed up for this episode. <laughs> but, but what we're really trying to do is one, one, if we if the job demands overwhelm the resources, this is going to hurt people's health and not just their right. physical health. Not just long term, we're talking about, and we again, HRV gives us a way to quantify this really in a way that we've not been able to, for the most part, up until this point in history, declining health and declining outcomes, right? So, so now whether your outcomes are creating widgets or providing health care to folks experiencing homelessness, we care, you know, our ability to keep in business and a lot of times is that outcome. The other competing, so we got on one hand, if we don't do well on this, declining health and declining performance. On the other hand, we get motivation and improved outcomes. So so again, some of this may feel way touchy-feely for maybe some folks that are more in the, the business arena and maybe too businessy for my folks in the helping and healing professions. We're all human beings. And what motivates Jeff in sales is going to motivate me as a therapist. Now, there's going to be difference in that. I wouldn't manage Jeff the same way I manage a therapist. There's different language. There's different sort of inherent cultures. But but what how human beings perform at their best is pretty universal. And so while this might recognition might look a little bit different in how we do it now that we're all virtual, obviously recognition is harder than if we were in the office every day and more more connected, but really trying to challenge ourselves, okay, that one to every 5.6 or rounded up to six pieces of feedback, if we can hit that and the closer we get to it, the better our folks are gonna perform. You know, no matter what industry you're in, that's going to be important. And again, as HRV is a measure of social, cognitive, emotional, as well as medical health, we can quantify this, which to me is the exciting part of of what we're doing. And and again, this model has developed really not with the uh, biological measures that that we can now do. So hopefully we can add to this discussion moving forward and uh, excited to continue to explore this next week with you.
Looking forward to it. And I think that's a wrap for today, Matt, but looking forward to uh, having a little more discussion next week on it. Take care, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everybody. Take care. Thank you for joining us for this episode. If you're interested in more information about HRV, please visit us at OptimalHRV.com. Also, if you visit OptimalHRV.com, you'll be able to sign up for our email list and download our free ebook, Healing with HRV. Thank you for joining us and we'll see you next episode.